Agriculturalism is the most ancient human practice other than hunting. We figured this out. We just need to do it right. Welcome to Team Futurism. Today, Devin Carson and I are going to be talking about lab-grown meat and the update that happened there. Also, a couple of other random topics I might want to jump into, but let's go ahead and start with the lab-grown meat update. So it is approved by the FDA, and apparently there is going to be lab-grown chickens sold in San Francisco and Washington, D.C. in the semi-near future. So, uh, Devin, give me your give me your thoughts. Dude, I had... I had to look at this article for about 30 seconds before I had a fully composed opinion, uh, which, which I was surprised at because I kind of launched into it with the attitude of like, well, I don't know too much about this. And like, I wanted to do a little bit of a deep dive, but honestly, like the kind of my gestalt reaction was kind of informed what I think about this. Um, I have a background in agriculture, so I was a farmer for a lot of my twenties. Um, I really kind of did a deep dive into restorative agriculture, biodynamic agriculture, um, you know, soil science, soil health, all of that stuff. That's like a big passion in my life. And I think the headline for this meat situation and the thing that they keep hammering on is they're like, well, it's unsustainable the way that we're producing meat in the United States. And yeah. it's basically it's fucked up and disgusting is, is kind of their, their argument. And it's too expensive environmentally and it's too expensive cost-wise. Well, maybe not cost-wise because their meat is actually a lot more expensive. Uh, let me tell you what upsets me about this. Um, so are you, broadly, are you for this or are you against this or? I'm, I'm fully what? against it. Fully against it, okay, I'm yeah, full, let's, let's hear the. Full, I'm fully against it because I think, okay. I think first of all, it's a real facile argument that uh, meat is unsustainable. I think we've got a lot of practices in this country and all over the world that are egregious and are like tantamount to to like uh, like humans' rights issues, but with animals, yeah. you know, animals' rights issues. Yep. We have to fix that. There's no. We have to get chickens out of long houses where they never see the light of day. We got to stop pumping them full of weird shit. Blah blah blah. But the point is, is that that is a system that is. We, we are part of the animal system. Right, like we we and animals coexist and cohabitate this planet together, and have lived in close proximity to each other and provided each other with services and meat for arguably millennia. And it's frustrating to me to see somebody take the tack of, well, we, these unsustainable practices are ridiculous, and so we have to completely re-engineer the way that we relate to animals in terms of a food source. I'm like, no. No, we don't. We just have to fix the broken parts of the system that we're in because we have biodynamic farms. We have places that are producing grass-fed, you know, naturally raised meats that are not only uh, the best meat you can possibly buy, but they're synergistic with the with the the ecology of the system that they're in. And that can happen anywhere. You know, you've got places like Polyface Farms up in the Northeast that are doing really cool, kind of modern, modified, but a very traditional understanding of agriculture where it's biodynamic in the sense that, hey, we have the cows come through, graze the pasture, the cows poop, bring the chickens to the pasture, the chickens pull out all the bugs, 
and spread the poop around everywhere. Then we bring the goats when the weeds get too high. And then we plant vegetables on that land in, in succession and we're rotating crops through these areas to enrich the soil, create really solid, uh, you know, meat products and vegetable products that are nutrient dense and, and tasty. And I think it's absurd to do this idea of like a startup company where you're spending, I'm, I'm guessing hundreds of millions of dollars to manufacture this thing in a laboratory, which, I mean, besides my kind of like, like, uh, my suspicions that that meat protein is not going to integrate correctly with the human biome, um, aside from that, cause who knows, um, it's just like, uh, fix the parts of the system that are broken and then invent something different. That's exotic. You know, it's like, don't iterate past something that is perfectly functional, just needs improvement. That's kind okay. of my, I don't know. That's my baseline. Baseline. This is feeling. good. This is good. I'm going to, I want to maybe argue with some of those points, but before I Yay. do, I mean, I really <laughs> do want to headline the fact that there are very serious shortcomings to this lab grown meat project. And a couple of months ago, I talked with Elliot Roth, who is the founder of a, of a startup that does uh, food uh, al or algae as food. And he wants like algae to be the, the the new replacement for you know sustainable food, and like Solid. that is such an amazing pitch, and I love everything yeah. about that. And as part of that yep. conversation, he talked about like some of the shortcomings of lab-grown meat and why, if you're comparing it to something like algae, it's a clear loser. The uh, yeah. the lab-grown meat is a clear loser. I, I've spent a little bit of time looking this up, and like the shortcomings of lab-grown meat. They're kind of they're kind of real and they're not great. Here are a couple of them. Um, it's very, I mean, one, it's very expensive to the point where it, even when this is rolled out um, to its largest extent, uh, the chicken, quote unquote, is going to cost uh, like 20 bucks a pound. They're envisioning. It's wildly more expensive now, but like 20 bucks a pound is some expensive ass chicken. So there, there's that. There's also the fact that like it is very, very, very hard to scale this. And we don't actually know if when you do scale this, how much you can before the cells start to die or become like unusable and gross. Mm. And also it just takes a ton of energy. It takes a bucket load of energy right. to create stuff. Whereas like chickens eat grass and, and everything, you know, right. like, <laughs> a chicken is actually not that energy consumptive to just grow chicken. But okay, so okay, those are those are some real issues. We're dealing with a world right now where yes, uh, we have a broken system, but maybe there are ways to fix it. But right now, just take a guess how many pounds of chicken per year the US produces. I'm gonna say it's in the billions. 50 billion pounds of chicken. Oh, no. Oh, that's so gnarly. I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to take that figure and just like hold oh. that up on the, on the wall for a minute and just say, yeah, like I'm kind of in favor of organic chickens and the real thing and, and on and on. I think that within this 50 billion pound monster, there's some room to iterate around the edges. 
I think that that's fine. I, I think that like, I don't have any romantic attachment to a chicken farm. Yeah, we've been doing it for thousands of years. We've been doing all kinds of things for thousands of years that we've <laughs> absolutely moved past. That to me, that argument sounds a little bit like, oh, we used to have this wonderful relationship with horses and you drive them everywhere. There's no way in hell I'm getting a gas powered automobile. To me, that's the same argument. So like the romantic version doesn't really win me over. Although, although I, the, the argument that like maybe the, the lab room meat isn't gonna integrate with our cells in a, in a similar way, that, that's gonna pull me in. That's gonna pull me into to your side of this. But uh, yeah, like, what do you foresee happening? Like, I, I don't actually foresee lab-grown meat making a dent in anyone's day-to-day -day life for at least a decade still, just based on what I've been reading about this. But what do you think? Do you think this is going to make a meaningful impact or or is this something that's just going to be like a, a rich person's, you know, fancy restaurant gimmick? I just don't think it's going to cross the weird gulf, like the uncanny valley gulf of, of like food products. Like, Food is so integral to our storytelling as humans and mm -hmm. the and the way that we interface with the world that we live in. As food is is the building block, is the cornerstone of our experience. And I think that there's like gimmicky shit like fuel and like soylent and like things that are for like nerds that are like, I don't know, like into like the idea of food science, but like all fake meat to me is gross. Even though every now yeah. and then, I'll eat like a I don't know, a veggie burger or whatever. My wife is vegetarian, so we have a lot of veggie, and she she is adamantly against vegetarian like knockoff foods, like vegetarian hot dogs and shit like that. They're I crap. am too. I think it's dumb. I think vegetables are amazing, and yeah. most soy-based products that are mirroring yeah. a hamburger, they are terrible for you. They are so, so bad. bad for you. I I'm not a fan of that like at all. If if maybe some vegetarians are able to eat a summer hot dog at a barbecue because it's, it was grown in a lab and maybe it costs 30 bucks, but it makes them feel ethical. I don't know. Maybe that's a use for this, this sort of a product, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of like fake meat in general. Yeah. You know what? You touched on something earlier too, that I think was a huge kind of sticking point in my mind where you were like, well, the energy consumption of producing this, this like industrial style meat is like kind of insane. Like the factory, all of the equipment, all of the technology, who knows how much energy is going into producing the actual meat itself, what they're building it out of. You know, like all of this supply chain dynamic that is so streamlined on a farm. <laughs> like right. even if it's even if it's a Tyson Foods, like fucked up, like chickens in, in black cages that they'll never see the light of day, it's still it's still pretty streamlined. The thing that I think the ethical problem that it's solving, which it didn't address, which I get it because not a lot of people are on this side, is that like having a conscious being, being in a torture state for its entire existence is mor morally reprehensible. Like yeah. it doesn't matter if you think an animal is tantamount to an insect, like it's still, it's still a real serious moral quandary that we find ourselves in. Let me just say this too. 50 billion pounds of chicken, how many billions of those pounds do you think end up in the trash? Because I'd, be, I'd, I'd yeah. be willing to guess half, you know? And like, I don't know, that gets me into a deeper thought about, about meat consumption and food consumption and, and the diversity of choice that we have in the United States, especially. Mm -hmm. And that like, you know, ideologically, I would just love to see Americans being happier with less 
and I, and and hopefully if if uh, if um, oh what's his name old Peter uh, uh, old demographic collapse guy um, Peter Thiel Peter Thiel if Peter Thiel is right and China's economy is about to collapse in the next like twenty years we're gonna have to deal with a lot less uh, fun cheap shit you know and like maybe that'll start a movement of people just being a little bit happier with having a few less options, but maybe better options. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I think is I just a fascinating topic is food science in general. I, I, I don't know anything about it, like, you know, foundationally, but chicken, just to take this example, it used to be a luxury item and it was very expensive. Oh, sure. mm -hmm. Just at high-end restaurants in Manhattan, that sort of a thing. There, there totally. was, and that was not that long ago. Also, right blueberries used to not exist as a thing. It, it's a very modern, uh, we had to use like a food science techniques to make it so that it had a shelf life. Mo right. I mean, most fruits and vegetables, we had to really like Engineer. do some delicate engineering to make it yeah. so that they have a shelf life. There was this fascinating article in the Atlantic uh, a week or two ago, and it was about the, uh, the, the pawpaw. Are you familiar with the pawpaw fruit? I, so I knew nothing about this either. The pawpaw, Devin, is America's <laughs> uh one and only like native fruit and <laughs> wow went the way of the rest of the native things that were here didn't it <laughs> well if you're at a fancy farmer's market in some certain places in the country you can still get it and i guess it's amazing and like tastes like soup like the best avocado you've ever had was like creamy and like custard and i guess it's good this is the thing though of Food science has not been able to solve the problem of making it last longer than like four and a half days after the moment you pluck it. Sick. It rots and dies. And there's there's this like, there's this enzyme or something that triggers it to, to rot. Same thing that like a lot of fruits and vegetables have, but we've been able to slow it down. This yeah. thing will not slow down. And so it rots, man. Nice. And I guess that you can you can get like pawpaw candy and pawpaw okay. like yogurt in certain parts of the country. But there's like a real effort at certain like universities to make it so that the pawpaw fruit has has a, uh, has a has a shelf life. I don't know. Shit like that is kind of fascinating to me because we do, like it or not, none of us live on farms anymore. So if we're gonna have whether it's blueberries or or chicken or anything, there was a lot of there was a lot of like ingenuity and creativity and and brain power that made it the case that it's at our local grocery market, Whole Foods shelves. You just pluck it off and it's like oh two ninety nine, you know. Like right. a lot of work went into that, and it's impressive. And I I don't know, I admire it. I do too. I would just I think that there's like a bit of. Uh... Gosh, I don't even know what it is. It's obviously market forces, people jumping into the market to provide services where there's a gap in the market. But like we've kind of gotten this place where um, supply chains are bending over backwards to give people enough options. And like we, yeah. have, too, we have too many options. Too many. You've got to yep. start peeling it back a little bit. Like there's no reason we should be getting stuff from really anywhere but the Americas. Like anywhere where we have to ship stuff across the ocean, that shit should be so expensive. You know, like- Shipping we, across oceans though is cheap. It's dirt cheap. I, I know. Think it's, it's 700 bucks for, or something like that. It's like, it's super cheap for just one of those huge crates. It's basically nothing. It, right. it comes down to a rounding error on the cost to ship something across the oceans. Right. And that's why, but we just abuse the fuck out of it because it is so effectively free, you know?
it's brutal, man. And I, yeah, I would just love to see us in a place where we're not trying to innovate ways to continue to feed the gluttony of the modern consumer. And I'd like to see like a little bit more um, austerity in terms of like, hey, uh, you don't need to have all of this stuff out of season. Maybe just wait until it comes back around, you know, there's not, there, there's been a movement of like localizing food culture over the yeah. last like 20 years, Sacramento, where you're at, was really kind of at the heart of that movement. And then Berkeley, where I'm at also kind of at the heart of that movement, we live really close to the Yolo Valley, which is the largest contiguous agricultural, fertile agricultural region in the world. And, uh, and there's the Cape Valley there. I mean, it goes on and, and on Valley. And yeah. it's like, and and yet we still go to the we still go to Whole Foods or to the grocery store and we see peaches that are coming from Argentina, right? And somehow it's cheaper for us to get a peach from Argentina than it is from 20 miles away in the Yolo Valley. And I just I need this to change personally as like I don't know how you change it because capitalism is such an advanced system. And it's so refined to where somebody can jump into the market, secure all of this funding to fill a gap in the market that maybe doesn't exist or they're making it, you know, like the, the meat, the, the lab grown meat. Nobody's asking for this. No, nobody People wants are. I mean, some there's a huge movement to dismantle the, the factory farm industry. Which is good, but it's like, it what, what are we going to do? Dismantle the factory farm industry and remantle a factory food production industry it's well like, let me uh let the me problems already been solved like agriculturalism is the most ancient human practice rather other than hunting like we figured this out we just need to do it right <laughs> well let me let me let me ask you this uh what would win you over to the lab grown meat market let me because let me lay out my case what would win me over let me if, just say let me just uh let me just first a word from our sponsors uh, <laughs> or our potential future sponsors Red Bay Coffee, ladies and gentlemen, Oakland, Oakland-based Red Bay Coffee. Red Bay, if you're listening right now, sponsor our pod. <laughs> Is that the place you took me the other week? Yeah, yeah. Good. Good bean. Good bean. Good bean. Fair, pri fair prices. Friendly staff. Uh, Red Red Bay Coffee. Ding. We indulged uh, in a nice pastry. It was good. Yeah. Here, here's, hey, what, well, here's what would win me yeah. over to lab grown okay. meat, dude. Um, boy, I'd have to really dig this one out. Uh, can I can I give you my case first? Maybe I'll give yeah, you. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I've thought about this a little bit. What would actually win me over this uh, to this? It's not going to be chicken. Okay. Because I think chicken is already. I mean, chickens are dumb animals. I don't feel too bad about. I don't like the factory farming element of it, but it's 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 it is what it is. Agreed. People eat a ton of chicken, and I mean, I don't know. They're mean it's, little it's dinosaurs. Cheap. It's cheap. It's and we've figured that out at some level. I'm worried about larger animals like pigs Lord. and cows. Yeah, pigs, pigs especially. Pigs I would especially. I am not like a big like PETA guy or whatever. I'm not a huge animal rights person, yeah. but I would honestly sleep better at night if I knew that human beings weren't slaughtering yeah, things. things that are smarter than dogs and They're cats. So we just have never formed a relationship with them. And so yeah. don't think of them like dogs and cats. But I I don't I mean I never eat pork unless I Same. I mean, I'll will every now, maybe once a year, it'll just happen. <laughs> so be it. But yeah. I mean, so okay, so so in Asia right now, they their chicken is pork. They eat like a ton of pork. 
And I think that that's, I mean, even in America, we eat way too much pork. Yeah. So if you can make it so that we move off a of chicken, we move on to pork, it turns out that it is still healthy for the human body, tastes the same. And there basically are kind of no downsides to it in terms of the process. Maybe it takes a lot of energy, but like it's comparable to a farm. Yeah. Um, and then maybe it costs slightly more, but it's still affordable for your bacon at your, your local diner. Um, let's do away the goal. Let's have the goal. Let's do away with pig farming. Let's just not have that anymore as a thing. And let's replace it with this. And I'm sold. I'm down. I, even if there are some slight downsides, like economically, I'm down. I'm sold on that. Anyway, that that was that's what would sell me on this whole project. What do you think? I, I don't you? think Is, I, you know. The more I think about, it, I don't think anything can sell me on this. I think it's a okay. stupid idea because <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just. Like, a, you see uh, that like the the, ro the romance of it, like the the romanticness of the farming, or do you think like practically? You know what I mean? No, practically, like a hundred percent practically, because pigs are also an important part of like a a farm ecosystem if properly cared for. Here's my deal with meat, dude. If you if you if if you're a pig or a cow or a chicken in the wild, those don't exist anymore. But let's just say I'm pigs do pigs are all over. Okay, that's actually pigs. true. Yeah, there's a lot of wild pigs, yeah. which is cool. You know, uh, cool anecdote about wild pigs. You know, within like a year of like a normal farm pig, like if, if it escapes a farm, within a year it'll grow tusks and hair. I feel like I've heard that. That's terrifying, man. That's so cool. Um, it is cool, but it's terrifying. That is terrifying. It is so cool. But the um, oh it, look if you're if you're an animal in a wild environment your most likely uh, cause of death is going to be having your fucking guts ripped out by a predator while yep. you're still alive yep. and like there no nobody's in there like trying to like none of the predators are killing the animal instantly they're just ripping its guts out until it slowly dies now. In a farming, that is a very strong argument that for some reason no one makes in comparison to factory farming. That's a very dude that is a very good point. It yeah. blows my mind because the brutality of a of a wild animal's life. It's fear. It's all fear, man. It's yeah. like ninety percent fear, some fucking, some eating, and then the death is just horrific and brutal. Yeah. Every time a human kills an animal, we kill it quick, dude. Even yeah. if that animal had a terrible life, it's over fast. And that's because we need that to happen in order for the meat to be viable. Now, you put you, yourself in a scenario where you, I don't know, like somehow disabuse these people of like their draconian sensibilities around farming, you know, and get people to just kind of go back to like a 50s or 70s type of farming where it's like yeah they're all clustered together but it's not like an evil like a site like a like a, a villain from a movie invented it you know we go back to something that's at least somewhat mimicking a naturalist uh environment for these animals and those animals are living the karmic equivalent of being like a shah in a palace, man. You got it. You're you. The food's coming to you. You're never really that afraid. You get to kind of fuck around and wander around. You get to maybe have some sex. And then when you when it's time for the the last day to come, it's quick. And maybe there's some fear to it because you're around a bunch of other you know animals that are getting killed also. But like if you just take the sum total of that animal animal's experience and you kind of book match it to a wild animal, like a, a responsibly farmed animal is having an objectively incredible life. So that's just something that well, I'm like. Good point. Good point. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so it's like I, I don't see a scenario in which like growing meat. And then look, and then to to kind of to to kind of call back to something I said earlier, you'd have to do a longitudinal study where it's like twenty to thirty years to know whether or not this is cancer causing. Frankly, I mean, it's like you think like the way that the body folds protein is one of the most mysterious parts of our physiology still. We still are struggling to create computer models that mimic the way the body folds proteins and creates tissues out of it. It's it's unbelievably complex. And if you're going to take But I some- mean like real I mean, you know, we're going to trust this over or tofu or aspartame or all the we put so much shit in our bodies i'm actually it is the least of my worries is this stuff i it's just it's it's we we actually know what this is as opposed to a lot of chemicals that we put in our foods we don't oh that's oh yeah okay come on of course yeah i you know i'm on that page like i can't i can't deal i'll have a skittle i'll have a couple skittles every once in a while but boy dude i'm not putting any red 40 in my body or any of the stuff that you just mentioned um I don't know, man. I think that the conversation for me, I think maybe one of my kind of put a pin in it uh, notes is we got to stop. We got to stop the conversation from focusing on innovating and we got to focus on bringing it back to something that's more common sense in ter- not only in terms of farming, but in terms of the food that we're feeding people, man. Like we're feeding people a lot of food that is poison and that isn't yeah. like... That was a big news around aspartame. I don't know if you saw it, but like uh, you're only supposed to have maximum 50 milligrams or whatever the number is of uh, aspartame per day. And if you have uh, a Diet Coke, it has like 500 milligrams and people just guzzle those things. So, yes, I mean, I'm, I'm on board that I think we're poisoning ourselves and it's very unfortunate. Yeah, there's stuff that I think. I get it. I get the instinct and I get the market. I get the market kind of drive to fill this gap, but I just don't, I don't know though. I mean, it's, it's kind of apples and oranges. Like, you know, it's like, do I agree with lab grown meat? Like conceptually? No, I'd rather us have a conversation around. I like it conceptually, but that's another, (laughs) like like, I'd rather us have a conversation around healthy eating and how to Mm -hmm. sustain localized agricultural systems and how to sustain small local businesses and local farmers and things like that. But we live in a capitalist globalist society. And I don't think that those two, those two conversations are necessarily touching each other at the moment. So I don't know how useful me being like, well, what we really, it's like, well, what we're talking about a capitalist endeavor where they're growing lab grown meat and I guess at the end of the day, I just hope that it fails. I hope that people, I hope that people are grossed out by it, and that they're not able to overcome the gross out factor of it, and that it just, yeah, it flops. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for innovation, wherever innovation lies. I'm, I'm here for it, and I think that there's a good chance it will flop just because of the cost. But, but I'm, I'm here for it. Absolutely, I'd try it as a gimmick. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, I want to jump to a couple more just quick topics. The lightning round. So, lightning round. Yeah. The lightning round. Uh, are you on threads? I I uh, I did make a threads. Yes. Okay. What are your What are your thoughts? You think it's <laughs> going to be the Twitter takedown? I hope so. I like uh, every passing week. I like Elon Musk less and less, and hope that he fails bitterly. Which is crazy because I used to really love the guy, but maybe he was just a skilled propagandist. Um, 
Uh, he used to have projects until I took over Twitter. I'll say that. Like Tesla was cool. SpaceX was cool. Yeah. He and not too much of, cool of his. Yeah, not too much of his personal emotional reality was revealed until he took over Twitter. And then you kind of see that he's a little bit of a man child and like yeah. maybe, maybe a little emotionally underdeveloped, which is fine for a normal person. But for somebody that's a titan of industry that controls a lot of conversations that are happening in the world, a little disconcerting. Um, Threads was really funny. I got on it and I immediately got off of it because I, I don't know why it did this, but every single person that I followed, it became, it became such a weird narcissist echo chamber. Like I feel mm -hmm. like people were airing out thoughts that they wouldn't have aired on any other platform. And just in kind of like a gross, like cloying way, you know, like, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, yeah. you know? And I'm like, yeah, I, oh, I, don't, that. I don't know how that, I don't know why the tone of that platform felt like that. And it was like, Really, I'm scrolling through stuff and I'm I'm just seeing people kind of, you know, maybe just voicing their inner monologue in a way that they didn't feel comfortable on other platforms. And it, it made me not like a lot of people that I follow kind of instantly. Um, I'm going to wait it I out. I have to mute people immediately. I had to start muting some folks. But... Yeah. And, and I'm going to wait it out. I mean, as a person <laughs> who is, I think, hopefully a fully arrived modern person in my, in my esteem, like my kind of, um, uh, the way that I use social media, social media is not a tool for personal expression it is a capitalist and marketing tool. You're using it as a tool for personal expression. You're playing yourself because you're, I selling, agree. You're, Man, you're, pimp, you're, you're pimping your own ass out and you're pimping your own IP for mm -hmm. somebody else to use for free and to make money off of you. If you use it as a yep. marketing tool, you're actually kind of, you know, on the leading edge of, of, I think, what social media should be for as we move into the future. I'll wait on threads. I'll see what, um, you know, Twitter is the platform where you get to interact with famous people and people that are way outside of your sphere of influence. Instagram is the photo and video app, TikTok, blah, blah. They all have their different kind of um, habit. They all have their different kind of ecosystem in the in the digital or their own habitat in the digital ecosystem. Threads, we'll see where it finds its way to situate itself. And if it bookends with my ability to do uh, marketing or musical work somehow, then I'll use it, then I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll exploit it as a useful tool. Uh, that remains to be seen at the moment. I like how you said that. Well, a couple of my thoughts here. Mm -hmm. I listened to Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway talk about this quite a bit on their podcast, uh, Pivot. Okay. Typically, I, I like Scott Galloway's uh, takes on everything, but every now and then, because he's rich uh, and, and semi-famous, uh, he's so out of touch, and it's kind of amazing. I thought that his his <laughs> takes on threads have been out of touch. And like this is the first thing he said about it, his just observation about the platform, was that you know when I logged on... Um, you know, I've got like, I'll make the, these numbers up, but I have 700,000 followers on Twitter. And right when I logged onto threads, I immediately had 150,000 people and they were liking and engaging. I would post something, I would get 500 likes and that's just amazing. Everyone was positive. Okay. That's cool, dude. But like, here's the normie take. <laughs> I have, I have 700 followers on Twitter and I've got like, I don't even know, maybe 200 on Instagram and I don't cultivate that audience at all. I don't really care about it because I kind of hate Instagram. So I logged on to threads 
to see if it could be a Twitter competitor. I got 12 followers, dude, and zero engagement. Still, I've posted like five or six times, not a lot, but I posted shit that if I had posted those same same things on Twitter, they would have gotten some engagement. Um, threads, it's it's going out into the darkness, man. It's no one seeing that shit. And because they're right now, they just haven't rolled out many features. They're going to, and Threads might actually win because of this. But right now, you can't really search for people, or you can't search for oh. topics or or anything. And huh. this is what I actually do love about Twitter is that it is the only platform I've ever experienced where you can just connect with other yeah. random people. And I mean, we were just talking about this Saturday. I'm going to see uh, Oppenheimer. Well, I'm going with my buddy, shout out to Dane Fitzgerald, uh, who I met on Twitter, you know, nice. and we've, we've been on each other's podcast and we've met up in real life multiple times, Twitter friend, you know what I mean? Mm. And I'm, I'm waiting to see my, my first threads friend, but I, right now, the way the platform is looking with its lack of features and, and, and all that, um, I don't know, it's absolutely not as fun as Twitter and I'm, I'm rooting for it because I think that Twitter is toxic and kind of sucks and Same. it is just why are we still used? I, I don't, platforms need to evolve and need to yep. move. And I don't know. It just seems stale at, for what it is. Last topic. And we'll hit this one quickly. <clears throat> All right. Have you heard of Elon Musk's new venture? No. Okay. This, this one just dropped. So I wasn't sure if you'd, you'd heard about this. Maybe, maybe I can rant about it a little bit. This let, is a world premiere. Let me, uh, let me, let me drop the news to you. And then I want to get your first impression. Let me prepare Ready? myself. Yes. Right. Elon Musk last week launched XAI with the purpose of solving humanity's problems. What do you think? Uh, writ large? Yeah. <laughs> solving all of humanity's problems. That's that's the goal of the platform company. Damn, dude. I'm still so torn whether this guy is like legitimately a skinwalker from like a different star system or just like or just a shitty little spoiled man child dude i can't yeah. figure it out you know because like he does like dude uh uh solar city you know what i'm saying like has put more solar panels on roofs than anybody ever tesla has put more people in electric cars than anybody ever SpaceX has put more crap in space, which I don't know. I don't know how to fucking feel about that, but it's Starlink is good. Starlink has done Starlink a lot of good. amazing things. Yeah. Starlink is good. Everything he's done, uh, you know, the tunnels, the, the boring company, I kind of love ball. it. That's... I, I still kind of love it. You know, yeah. like the, the idea, just the balls, you know, yeah. uh, the flamethrower. I mean, like I can't, it's hard for me to dig out an idea of his that I genuinely don't like. So right, right. I don't, I really don't like the guy anymore, but that's kind of, I mean, I feel like so many of, of humanity's problems are, but here's the thing though. I feel like so many of humanity's problems are not, uh, they're not conceptual. They're, they're logistical, you know? And so it's like, maybe, maybe you could, uh, maybe you could, uh, figure out a way to solve these problems. And I guess AI would be like the first, the first way to I like it. I think it's a great idea. Fuck it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good, good futuristic. I like it. Well, I mean, it was interesting because I listened to his, um, 
they did a, uh, a thing on Twitter. God, I'm blanking on what it's called, but you know, where you, 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 you talk on Twitter and people show up and they, they talk. It's like a live podcast feature, yeah. which I do really like. But uh, Elon Musk did a three hour one when he launched this. I listened to some of it. Interestingly, the whole conversation kind of devolved around free speech on platforms and censorship. Some of these kind of just tired topics and you know, also a little not, bit of kind of interesting talk about freedom. <laughs> well, it's just it, that I don't know. I, I I don't take Elon Musk seriously on that topic specifically, Thanks. just because he's such a hypocrite. So yeah. he's a, he is the last person I want to hear talking about Free censorship speech. and and yeah. even regulation. I think he's a hypocrite on on regulation of technology. Yep. I don't know. So everything about it just was kind of underwhelming. Um, I, it seems like a lot of the people at the company that were also speaking, they, they do seem like they're well-intentioned people. Clearly I'm sure they're very intelligent. I don't know, but I, I'm, I'm kind of like for the idea too, just having, uh, an artificial intelligence platform that, I mean, here's kind of the pitch. It doesn't just regurgitate shit like ChatGPT does. It okay. will on its own, it will generate new, um, you know, truths or, or, or new knowledge. Mm. And so, for example, right now, ChatGPT, if you ask it a question, it will just spit out an answer that people have, have written about and it may not right. be true. So sure. back in the day, Elon Musk gave this example, if there was a ChatGPT when we thought that the uh, sun revolves around the earth, ChatGPT would have said the sun revolves around the earth. And Galileo would have been fake news based on, sure. you know, back then. And we have many equivalencies of this today. Lab League or whatever, you know, the, the hot button case might be. Sure. And I would, I would like to see AI advance to the point where it doesn't just regurgitate what the, you know, 50 plus one people are saying, yeah. but actually looks somehow does some sort of analysis or whatever AI can do wherever it's going and says, yeah, so 80% of people are fucking wrong. And here's why <laughs> I think that would be tight. I think that that would be a great day for humanity to have built something that is a, a truth creator, not just a, a regurgitator of our falsehoods. I love, I, I, I just keep, my mind keeps gravitating back to the idea of like the team that will have to be built around deciding what the first set of like humanity's problems get fed into that and just watching mm. and just watching like both sides of the political spectrum tear it to shreds like oh yeah. really really homelessness is the biggest problem in our nation what about the white man and his diminishing <laughs> role in society you know oh, what shit. i mean and like and you know like liberals like supply chain logistics what about the rights of people with alternative identities you know what i mean like just like I, I would love to watch like <laughs> oh the 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 absolute total war that would ensue from from just deciding what are our problems. I, I like that. <laughs> or what what happens when it spits out something that conflicts with Elon's worldview? Say oh, he's dead set on some political oh, position. Pretty please, dude. And his his machine proves him wrong. That would be a good day, and I would like to see his reaction when that happens. Me too. <laughs> hey, well, till next time. Thanks, Devin.